0: Welcome to Is There Really Truth and Justice for All with your host Jeff Stein. This program really does uncover the sometime myth that all are innocent until proven guilty. The truth is that many innocent people are found guilty of a crime that they did not commit. We discuss the judicial system, its flaws, and where it could be made better. Now, here is Jeff Stein.
1: Good morning, and I'm sorry about any technical difficulties we start out with. Welcome to episode 13 of Is There Really Truth and Justice for All? I'm really excited about today's show and our guest. What a great day to listen to this podcast, Is There Really Truth and Justice for All? There are many wrongful arrests and convictions in the United States. This show works to address problems with the integrity of those involved in the wrongful convictions and things that can be fixed and how. We will talk to the victims of wrongful arrests and convictions, witnesses, people involved in the judicial process, and try to create an understanding that our current judicial system is not truth and justice for all. Keep in mind, this is a live show. Feel free to call or email with questions or topics that you would like to discuss or hear discussed on any of our future shows. Today, our guests are Jim Nanos and Nicole Cusinelli. I'm sorry, did I get that right, Nicole? That's right, I got it sorry about that. Good morning, Jim and Nicole. Great to have you on the show, and thank you for joining us today.
2: Good morning. Well, yes, on, thanks for having us, and on the show.
1: Thank you. On, on many shows, uh, we've talked about lackadaisical police work or prosecutor prosecutorial misconduct, and I've always stated that I'm pro-law enforcement and wanted to chat today with two former law enforcement officers, and uh, I'm going to kind of do a, a quick background or bio of both of you. If I miss anything, feel free to to add to it. But um, in a nutshell, nutshell, Nicole is a former New Jersey State Trooper. During her career, she was assigned to several stations throughout southern New Jersey, where she conducted hundreds of criminal and accident investigations. Nicole is the co-owner and co-publisher of PI Magazine and Unsolved Magazine, as well as co-owner of PI Gear, PI Bookstore, and PI Directory. And in addition to this, I don't know when she finds the time, but Nicole is also currently oversees the Civil Complaint Cases Research and Data Collection Project at the Camden Superior Court of New Jersey for LexisNexis. Jim is a retired police sergeant working over 28 years with the Wildwood, New Jersey Police Department. Jim headed the department's juvenile division and the tourism policing unit. Early in his career, Jim worked undercover narcotics handling and investigating some of the county's larger narcotics investigations. Jim owns his own private investigation firm, Apple Investigations, based in Wildwood, New Jersey, and is nationally recognized expert in the field of covert surveillance. Jim is also the co-owner and co-publisher of PI Magazine, Unsolved Magazine, as well as co-owner of PI Gear, PI Bookstore, and PI Dirt Directory. With all the different things that you both do, can you share with the listeners what a typical or probably not so typical day or week
3: looks like for each of you?
2: Jim, you, you want
3: to jump in first? Sure. Uh, well, it, it's a lot of hours, Jeff. I mean, we've got, uh, Nicole and I have a lot going on with our businesses, and, you know, it, we do a lot of conferences every year. We're on the phone constantly with subscribers, and that's basically, Nicole handles that end of it, and the advertising. Uh, it's it's hectic. It's busy. We're Sometimes it seems like we're going in 15 different directions, and we always joke at the end of the day, you're... Yeah, you know, you've been busy all day long, but you, you, it's it's hard to remember exactly what you did because you're just going in so many directions. So it's it's been busy, it's, to say the least.
2: Yeah, busy and I'll, I'll add good. to that. Uh, you know, we wear a lot of hats with, with this. Uh, it's it's really very much like when we were in law enforcement, because you, you're expected to really do a lot of things and 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 like I said, wear many hats. But you know, I make a joke, and I say, uh, you know, for accountants, uh, April fifteenth is is a is a tough day for them. But I feel like every day for us almost is the uh, you know the equivalent to to the tax deadline because it seems like every time we turn around, we have a deadline, and uh, we're up against that. You know, with the, with the, with the Pi magazine, and and uh, also now with uh, with the new edition with the Unsolved magazine. But, uh, you know, it's a lot of work and uh, we're never short of being busy, uh, but we're having a lot of fun and uh, we're learning some things as well. And uh, hopefully we're doing a good job.
1: That's awesome. And we're going to talk um, more later on during the show about the magazines and and the other um, products and services that you guys offer. So I definitely want to touch on that later. But this and, and by the way, that's a great analogy of tax day because I feel that way every day as well. And uh, I love how you you worded that. That's great. I'm going to steal that. I'm sure. No problem. <laughs> this, this month, uh, October, the National Registry of Exonerations reached a total of 2,500 exonerations, and that equates to 22,109 years lost of those people of those 2,500 that were exonerated, and of those of those 47 of them have spent 30 plus years behind bars, wrongfully convicted. Previous shows, I have mentioned that there are many wrongful arrests and convictions in the United States. And through this show, we try to educate and create an understanding for our listeners that the current judicial system is not necessarily truth and justice for all. We, we'd we all like to believe that it is, but there's a lot of loopholes that cause these issues. And everyone needs to be aware It's it's a widespread problem in our country, and it doesn't discriminate against race, religion, sex, or nationality. Anyone can become a victim to the judicial system because of false or coerced statements, ineffective assistance of counsel, lackadaisical police work, prosecutorial misconduct, jailhouse snitches, deceitful witnesses, and even dishonest expert witnesses. And I'm sure there's a few I'm missing there too. And there's over 2 million people in jail or prison in the United States. And although there's no perfect formula that can be applied on how many are innocent, it's believed to be anywhere from 2% to as much as 10%. So that means even on the low end, that equates to 40,000 people, or on the high end, it could be as many as 200,000 innocent men and women who have been wrongfully convicted. And that doesn't even include those who have been wrongfully charged of a crime. So those numbers are really much harder, much higher because when they're charged with a crime, they can spend two years in jail just waiting their trial. So I'm happy to have both you, uh, Jim and Nicole, on the show is you both have a wealth of knowledge and experience with many of these issues from a different perspective than a lot of what we've talked about on previous shows, and I'd love to hear what you both think about wrongful convictions and how they occur and and why, and um, what are some of your thoughts on that, and either Jim or Nicole, whoever wants to go first.
3: Uh, I'll jump in. Uh, You know, Jeff, being a police officer, both Nicole and I, for for many, many, many years, um, I I think how we get caught up in this with wrongful convictions is, I I think, law enforcement and and prosecutors, to a certain extent, uh, we we tend to investigate cases, and early on, sometimes we fall into a trap um, where, where we we develop a theory on a case or we develop a suspect. And then we sort of, I don't want to say work the evidence around our theory or suspect, but we tend to put a little bit more emphasis on the evidence that would tend to um, lead us towards what we think is a theory or a suspect and make so much weight or, or uh, effort on things that would tend to maybe steer us in another direction. And I really think that's really the mistake that, that many police officers and, and even prosecutors tend to make is we should let the evidence you know, steer us in a direction, not... You know, come up with a suspect or a, uh, a theory, and then try to work our evidence to support our theory. It should be the other way around, and and it happens, unfortunately, it happens often. And, and a lot of times, it's not done on purpose, maliciously, or uh, you know, on purpose. It just tends to happen. It, it's almost human nature where we think we know what happened, and then we got to figure out what what the evidence is to support our theory. So when we when we handle cases and, and handling many major cases. In my career, we really have to take a step back and you have to look at what the case is and work the evidence and let the evidence steer you where you need to go. And sometimes it'll steer in a direction that you may not think is the right direction, but the evidence is the evidence and it'll take us toward, towards the truth. And, and, and that's, what, that's where I think we tend to make mistakes. And it's hard once you start going down that path um, maybe, maybe to turn around or put the brakes on and I think ultimately, I mean, we all watch television. We watch those shows where Nicole and I are, are intimately involved in a lot of these cases where we're speaking to people on both sides of magazines. And, and we hear people that are in custody or incarcerated for very long periods of time. And, and when you look at it, you realize that I, I think if the brakes could have been put on early on in one of these investigations, or at some point, may, maybe they would have went in a different direction. But they, they start heading in the direction. You get that snowball effect. And next thing you know, uh, somebody's in, in in court, and ultimately they're in jail, and and it's it's a shame, and it happens, it happens far too often. And thankfully, there's some mechanisms in place today, the Innocence Project, and some other work that's out there um, to help folks that are are sort of caught up in that.
1: That's yeah, a, a great perspective on that. I, I totally understand. Nicole, and I'll, I'll just, uh, uh, I can yep.
2: also kind of piggyback onto that. Uh, and Jim knows this as well. And most. If any uh, and one in law enforcement, and they talk about tunnel vision, uh, and that's sort of a theory where you, you get, or it's a it's a concept actually, more of a concept where, uh, especially in law enforcement, where you get so uh, so fixed on a theory, or uh, or perhaps uh, an individual, and you know in many cases uh, it it fits. I mean everything fits, and it points in in one direction. And then, uh, you know, you may find out, and of course, this is where due diligence comes in and good investigating and, and vetting everything uh, and being as thorough as possible, that you, you find out that, you know, it isn't, it isn't that theory. Or, and, of course, the theory is always, when I say that, it's not just a theory. It has to be supported with evidence and, and the investigation. But uh, it doesn't, doesn't point to that, to that theory or to that individual that you've been looking at. So, of course, you have to widen your scope. You have to always keep in mind to keep your scope very wide uh, because then you find out that it's completely not what you thought. And in many cases, everything fits like a puzzle, and, and you're almost like 100% sure, you know, this this is it. And, uh, and then when you find out, no, you know, we have something else. And, and I think there's a lot of pressure. I think, you know, we all, always talk about that. There's, there's pressure from the public, with a high profile uh, crime or uh, you know depending on what's involved uh, there's a lot of pressure to to have it solved uh, there's there's concerns with safety if someone's out there and committing crimes and especially ones um, you know the very serious ones where there's uh, you know homicide or or sexual assaults there's a lot of pressure and fear to get that person off the street and I think that does pressure uh, police departments to 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 make someone accountable, not as far as just accountability, but safety, and I think that can sometimes put a lot of pressure, and it shouldn't be that it shouldn't be that way. Uh, but I think sometimes that could land uh, the wrong person into uh, you know, a situation of incarceration and wrongly accused. I think that happens many a times, and we, we've seen that happen. I mean, we can we can look at plenty of cases, and you know this, Jeff and Jim, where this has happened. Uh, but you have to be really diligent, and if if you don't have what you need, and you don't, and you don't have it pointing in the right direction. You just have to keep working on it until you 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 get it right. It's that simple. Uh, you just can't close something out because it it fits almost a hundred percent. It has to be a hundred percent, and uh, and and that's really the way you do good police work. And if you don't have it, you don't have it. You just keep going, and, uh, and until you 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 get it you get it right, and you get the right the right individual. And if you don't, then you just keep going with it.
1: That that was a a great summary and a great outlook. I, I I agree with that, and I do see. You know, that's it's. You're you're right where there's tunnel vision. I think one of the things that also happens is that 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 tunnel vision is there, and then it gets passed on to the DA's office because once once law enforcement finishes their investigation, they turn it over to the DA, and in in many cases that I've seen where that tunnel vision continues with the district attorney and it, it frustrates me. And what I mean by that is that the prosecution has immunity in many different ways. And for example, if we as private investigators withhold information from our clients and it's discovered, we could be held accountable and possibly lose our license and maybe even charged with a crime. But if a prosecutor withholds information, also known as Brady violations, they're protected by prosecutorial, mis- uh, prosecutorial immunity. So that tunnel vision uh, that when, when they put those blinders on and they say, you know what, we're already halfway down this road, let's finish, you know, let's, let's just continue down that road instead of stopping and, and dropping the charges and moving on and going to that right suspect. They keep going and they're immune from that, which I would love to see a lot of that immunity change. I think they need to be held to a higher account- accountability like us in the private sector and, and even law enforcement for that matter. Do you have any thoughts or comments on that?
2: I, I agree with you, Jeff. I mean, that's really, in a nutshell, I, I, I hate to not elaborate on that, but I absolutely agree. I, I think a little bit of it is, uh, and I hate to say this, but uh, saving face. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. I don't know how any other way to put it, but I think once a certain road is, is gone down, uh, they they uh, they can't pull back, and I, I I personally don't see any reason for that. If it comes down to someone's uh, life and their freedom, and if it's wrong, uh, you should just that's the right thing to do, and that should be able to be explained. But as we know in the real world, that's not what happens, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. I, I have a case. I, I know I've mentioned this on several shows. That's a, it's a death row case, and it's going to be featured on CNN Death Row Stories in the in the next in the near future. Uh, but we, I've been working on this case for almost six years, and I know that my client didn't commit this crime. I, I know who did. I advised the DA's office who did. It was it was in the reports, and you know they 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 become very adversarial. And at this stage, when you're talking about a, a murder, a homicide, and somebody who's on death row, no less. All parties, it's it's not it's not a football game, you know, I, I mean, every team wants to win, right? But really, it should be both sides working together to find the truth. because if my client, anybody's client, is innocent in that situation, when you're looking at putting an innocent man to death for a crime he didn't commit, but two, that means even more, uh, well, I don't want to say more importantly, but that means that there's still the person who committed the crime is still out there and all those different families are being a victim and, and um, because of that. So they really need to work together and say, let's reinvestigate. Let's look at this. Let's take this from another, um, another perspective, another set of eyes. And if it is what it is, then, then move forward. But you know, if there's those question marks, everybody should work together instead of being adversarial.
3: You guys, um, I agree, Jeff. And, and you know, a lot, yeah. lot of cases, there's just tremendous pressure. Um, I, I've been, you know, in, in situations on, on, on high profile cases or major crimes where there's tremendous pressure put on by the community, by uh, the, the department itself. And from a lot of different perspectives where, you know, solve the case, solve the case, uh, make an arrest, make an arrest. And and it's really easy to get pushed in a direction that, that maybe you wouldn't go if you had more time, and, and and that's what that's what happens in some of these cases. As Nicole said, to you start going down that road, and and in theory, it's so easy just to say, well, stop and let's go in a different direction. But in the real world, it's it's really really difficult to do that. And unfortunately, there's there's a lot of a lot of instances where it just doesn't happen. Um, and and again, from the outside looking in, it, it would seem to the layperson, it's it's so easy, but you develop a theory and you've got some evidence to support that theory or, or a suspect. And, and you just keep rolling in that direction when, when really you should take a deep breath, stop and, and we need to go in a different direction and, or take a break. Yep.
1: Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And I think in some of the, the bigger police departments that have so many cases to solve, you know, like, like all the major cities, Philadelphia, New York, Chicago, LA, um, there's there's so much on their plate that they just get a little more rushed. Where maybe some of the smaller departments have more time because there's not uh, as many homicides or murders, you know, in in a, a, a suburban area versus an inner city. Um, even like Chester, you know, Patterson in New Jersey, and some of the or Camden. Camden's a great example, right? Everything that that goes down in Camden. So. There's been a lot of talk in the news with um, in relation to corruption, uh, especially within the Philadelphia Police Department. Chicago's been big in the news and, and some others. Uh, I know I've worked a lot of cases in Philadelphia and and see a lot of the previous corruption. In fact, uh, one of my previous guests on a show was a 24 year vet or um, uh, vet of Philadelphia Police Department. And he was in the narcotics unit for most of that time. And until the feds caught him and uh, he ended up doing time and he, he ended up becoming a, a cooperating um, witness trying to, to help right the wrongs. But bottom line is there's, there's a lot of when I say a lot of there there's police corruption. Um, they're just like there's there's theft and fraud and corruption in every major profession. You know, private investigators have their share and doctors and nurses and whatnot. But when it happens in a police department, there is a small segment that really um, uh, several small little apples, but it causes a lot of problems. And in the course of um, of your work being in the law enforcement side or even in the private sector, did you see corruption in your investigations at all?
3: I'll, I'll jump on that one first. I, Jeff, I, I when, I say, when you say corruption, I, I've never once experienced and never even come close to experience a situation where one or you know, two or more guys get together and say, let's frame this guy. You know, let, let's cook the books or let's come up with some fake evidence or let's manipulate evidence. I, I, I've never seen that, and, and I've never even had any inkling that that's happened. And I, and I come from a relatively small police department where you know, five or six detectives and you're handling everything from homicides to sexual assaults to robberies. You're doing it all. Um but I've I've never seen that. What what I, I tend tended to see more of is overworked losses, you know, big case comes doesn't mean the small cases aren't rolling in too. And and you're pressured to, to do something and to get it done quickly because the case is can up. Now I, I have seen, you know people call them bad cops or whatever you want to call it. of course, just like you alluded to earlier you know there's, there's bad plumbers, there's bad doctors there's bad lawyers there, there's bad everything there's, there's a small segment in every every profession that, that tends to get themselves in trouble or, or not do the right thing and, and, and law enforcement is no different um, unfortunately, it's just in today's world we, we tend to hear about that you know I'm sure there are plumbers and electricians out there that get in trouble for things, but you never hear about them on the news you hear about the police officers so you know, we we try to patrol our own profession, we try to police our own profession, and you try to weed out um, those people that aren't the right thing or aren't following protocols or rules or regulations. And for the most part, I think the system does do that. There are mechanisms in place to identify those people and, you know, hopefully weed them out. But, you know, once in a while, they slip through the cracks and they're the ones you hear about. So it, it, it's there, it, it's everywhere, in every profession.
1: Yep. Now, I totally agree. In, in this day and age with... Uh, social media and the news and you know everybody I was just um, at a cr- criminal justice career fair in um, at Westchester University on Monday and there was law enforcement from around the state and and um, neighboring states and I was right across from a Delaware uh, state police and so you know him and I were talking and he said you know every every everybody he pulls over now they all have their cell phones recording you know and and they're all they're all being um, posted on social media, so, you know, they got to watch really what they say and how they say it, and, you know, it's, it's like anything else, do the right thing even when no one else is looking, you know, always do the right thing. So, it just makes it much more difficult in this day and age with cell phones and social media and the news, and it's what sells the news, right? They don't want to hear about the plumber who got away with, you know, an extra 20 grand or, I mean, we get calls all the time, and I bet you, you do too, um, for contractor. Homeowners who hired a contractor to do some work, and they gave them a five thousand um, dollar down payment or ten thousand dollars. They did like a thousand dollars worth of work, dropped off some two by fours, and they're gone. They can't find them, so we get hired, you know, trying to find them, and you find out that there's judgments and liens against them, and you know they keep changing their names. But that's not in the news. You're absolutely right. Yeah, Jeff.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, I, I personally, as well. You know, thank God I've never been exposed personally or, you know, on, on the job uh, to, to correct corruption directly. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure for many officers that are faced with that or, or you know, sometimes it just, it's just there and you're you're in the middle of it and you really have to rely on your proper training and, uh, of course, ethically and more morally what the right thing is to do. I can speak for Jim. I know Jim very well. And I can speak for myself, obviously, that if we... Ah, uh, wherever in that position, I, I know for a fact we would do the right thing, and, and it is what it is. I mean, no, no matter how that comes down, uh, that's just the way the way we work. And uh, <clears throat> but you know, I think for there's a lot of pressure for many officers, and and some fall victim to that situation, and it, it happens. And again, I'm thankful I, I've never been directly exposed to it in, in you know where I worked. I know that it's it's happened, and I'm sure in Jim's department as well, but uh, it, like you said, it happens everywhere uh, there's there's bad apples everywhere, unfortunately, it shines a, a very negative light on the on the whole department or the whole outfit and even law enforcement as a whole but uh you know you just have to through your guns and do the right thing and and um that kind of weeds out the the good from the bad, i suppose but uh it's a tough, I would i would imagine it's a very tough situation to be to be faced with that if you find yourself in that situation.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and you know, I, I mean, I have many friends who are current or retired law enforcement, and oh, a good friend of mine retired not too long ago from the Pennsylvania State Police, and he was a detective for many years, and I would say he is the most loyal, stand-up, ethical person out of anybody I've ever met in my life. He just by the books and dot his eyes and crosses tees and. You know, that's the way I think most law enforcement are. It's just some bad apples. And when I had Jeffrey Walker on the show, who was the um, Philadelphia narcotics officer who um, went down a different path, he was put in that situation from almost the very beginning because it went generation to generation. It, there was so much. Um, so he was almost, I don't want to say he was forced into it, but it, it was put right in front of him. And he really, I mean, there is the, the that blue line, right, where, you know, you got to, Look out for the other person. So he just got in that situation and and um, really couldn't dig out. And then they get so far involved that they're stealing from the drug dealers and they're they're selling um, bricks. They're stealing from one drug dealer and and um, selling the the bricks to another. And it just it, it, it uh, it's like a domino effect at that point. And you go down that path. And he, I think he phrased it pretty good. You take a, a bite out of that apple, and you know once you take a bite out of that corrupt apple, um, you just keep taking more bites. So. Uh, On that note, uh, we're going to take a quick break, um, commercial break, and we'll be right back.
0: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. ELPS Private Detective Agency is here to provide you with security and investigative services. Our specialties include criminal defense, surveillance, security consulting, loss prevention investigations, and more. ELPS Private Detective Agency is a dynamic team of professionals with over 30 years of experience. No case is too small, too large, or too difficult. We're licensed, bonded, and insured. Visit ELPSPDA.com on the web. Or call us at 877-SEE-THAT-ELPS Private Detective Agency. Fighting theft, fraud, and crime, one case at a time. PI Magazine is the most respected magazine of the professional investigator, featuring stories and articles on current topics and issues
3: written by professional investigators and leading experts in the profession. Real equipment reviews from top surveillance investigators with years of experience. PI Magazine offers investigative tips and practical advice for the newly licensed to the seasoned veteran investigator. Catch up on recommended sources, vendors, and professional services. Don't miss a single issue of PI Magazine. Subscribe today at
0: PIMagazine.com. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to Is There Really Truth and Justice for All? To reach Jeff Stein or his guest today, please call in to 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or you can send an email to Stein at elpspda.com. Now, back to Is There Really Truth and Justice for All?
1: Welcome back. So, over the years, I think things have changed drastically regarding the public's perception of law enforcement, and it's it's not the same as it used to be. Um, I know, uh, in in fact, uh, Jim, you probably know uh, my roommate from college, uh, Tony Marino. He's the current chief of Cape May. Uh, we went to college sure, together. well. So uh, again, like I said, you know, I'm I'm pro law enforcement. A lot of my friends and um, family of law enforcement, and it just when you have those, those little bad apples and, you know, that one person starts making some bad arrests. But, um, you know, I think a lot of it is other things, other variables that come into play. But the public's perception of law enforcement has really gone down over the years. And you, you see it, I mean, it's in this day and age, I think it's scary to be a law enforcement officer. I mean, you know, you hear about these people just being shot for no reason, being ambushed, Um, I I don't think they respect law enforcement like they used to, you know, I mean, and you see this all over the news and I think the media plays a big part in this, you know, it's it's kind of like the baseball games or the football games when um, when you got that intoxicated patron uh, who or or um, spectator who jumps on the field and runs across whether they're naked or not, you know, the TV doesn't show them anymore because they don't want to give them that their, their time in the spotlight. But when we see these other things on the news, the media gives them all the attention in the world. Uh, what do you think we can do to help fix this, to help increase the public's perception or, and make it better back the way it used to be, You know, probably when you guys both started your careers? That's, well, I, you I know, think...
3: Enough. I'm
1: sorry, go ahead, Nicole, you go. You, you go ahead,
2: Nicole. Nicole, you go You go first. I I, I think there needs to be... Some, some maybe more, more good press out there. I mean, we obviously highlight uh, the negative things, and, and of course, that does need to be brought to the attention of the public when things are, are not going as they should go. But I, I, I think it's very easy to, uh, to recreate the uh, the perception that law enforcement is out there on the whole uh, doing a good job, and they are doing the right thing. I don't think that we see so much of that, uh, and I don't know if there's there's a way that we we can see that. I mean, there's probably a whole lot of that going on, uh, but the the negative things, I mean, it's it's out there, and uh, while it's important that is it's exposed, I think it's magnified, and I think the public loses to say completely just they lose the fact that, that law enforcement they're they're out there doing a good job. They're, there's a most officers are doing the right thing. And I, I think because there, there's so much magnification on what you know law enforcement is not doing right, and, and it just becomes um, it just overshadows uh, you know the, the, the thought of the public that uh, you know you know if you're getting pulled over by a police officer, or you're involved in any way with law enforcement that uh, you know you better record it, or because something's something's going to go wrong, and uh, that's the perception, and I think that's why you're seeing so much of that. And of course, because so much of that's happening anything bad that's happening out there is going, to, is going to get caught up and it's going to get uh, exposed and magnified to a very large degree.
1: Yep. Jim, you want to comment on that?
3: I agree wholeheartedly. I, my first year as a police officer was 1982. Um, so I, I, I've been many, many years and changes in law enforcement from a time when we didn't even have portable radios for every police officer. Um, <laughs> you had to hit call boxes to let them know you were okay. Uh, I I, I live through the the uh, advent and uh, use of cameras, from no cameras to cameras everywhere. So I, I've seen the changes, and as, as Nicole said, the perception of of what law enforcement does and the perception of the average police officer out there. I, I think the media, and it, it's really easy to blame the media for everything these days. But um, I, I think it's it's so things happen, and, and the media tends to, you know, I, I don't want to say exploit it, but maybe sensationalize it. Uh, you know when i was growing up there were 3 news channels that was it now there's there's dozens of them and and they're rating their tv shows they they sensationalize things they they have to sell airtime they have to sell commercial time and everybody loves a good story so a lot of these things and are put in the story format where where people uh get involved in it and they they immediately form opinions based upon how a story is being presented in the news or through social media and that's not always accurate you I know mean, a lot of times we find out that you know the the initial information you hear about an incident is not accurate or, or maybe not even truthful or was, you know, portrayed through the media and, and maybe not the actual correct should have been. But once those opinions are and, and once people start direction of, of not trusting law enforcement or or not believing what's going on, it, it's hard to change that perception. We you know, for years we tried with community policing and that was tremendous. You know, you get out there, you meet with the community, you talk to them, you show them that you're just, just like them, you're a guy out there doing a job, you just happen to be a cop. Um, and, and let them see what we're doing. And, and there has to be involvement with the community. And, and I know that's, what, that's what's trying to be done. And, and, and it's been very successful. And I think we need to do more of that. I mean, there has to be more involvement with the community and, 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 and different social groups and, and letting them know what, what we face every day and how you have to make a split second mm-hmm. decision that could affect the rest of your life and the rest of somebody else's life. Uh, in in literally a split second and and people you know some people can't decide what they want to get at the supermarket and and we have to make life and death uh, decisions in in milliseconds it's 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 a hard job to do really easy to second guess and 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 that's what I think the big problem is people just don't have a really good understanding of what law enforcement is, what police officers do we We draw our impressions and our opinions based on television and and we all know the shows that are on television i'm I'm not even allowed to watch them anymore. Because I sit in the, in the living room and I yell at the TV that that's not the way it works. That's not what happens in the real world. And, and But it's, it's sensationalized. And people, they draw that. They draw that opinion. You know, everybody thinks you get DNA from everything. You, you can, you know, in 30 seconds you can find out what everybody's done their entire life. And it's not the reality. But people think the perception, it becomes reality. And they think that's what happens. And on the other side of the coin, they think all cops are, are either bad or they're all uh, you know lying or they're all... Killing people or, or whatever they go go to work every day can't wait to shoot somebody. I mean, you, whatever. But it's not truth. But it, it's the perception. Unfortunately, I, I, I don't know how that how that can be changed easily.
1: Yeah, everybody, yeah, just jump
2: in real quick. And yep. uh, I'm sure again, Jim, you will agree with this, and and, and you too, Jeff. If if you just turn on uh, God, if you belong to Facebook or uh, Instagram or any of these social media uh, sites, you just turn them on. You'll notice that. Uh, you know, everyone is recording something, and, of course, you know, forget the media. These things go viral. I mean, there's thousands of hundreds of thousands of people that, that view this on these, on these sites. If I, Again, I can name those. Um, but I also noticed that it seems just what I'm seeing going on today is that the, the public already has an immediate uh, defensiveness against the police uh, and law enforcement, and, and are just their interactions. And you can see it everywhere it's it's almost as if they're they're immediately defensive they're expecting something to go wrong and they're you see a lot of questioning uh and, and a lot of uh, i don't use the word aggressiveness but almost as if uh you know they're calling upon their rights and they're they're you know back in back in the day you know you would interact with someone and they would be they usually would be cooperative right away uh because let us find out what's going on here we're just kind of talking here and we're we're just we're just seeing what's going on we're working together here. We're trying to help you, You try to help me, whatever. It's a, just a light interaction and we take it from there and, and you, you act upon what comes your way as far as what develops during the interaction. But today, it seems as if the public, they're immediately on defensive and they're saying, I'm not working with you, I'm not telling you who I am, I'm not giving you any information and that just sets up a really... Uh, already sort of uh, a caustic situation for both parties. And then, again, depending on how that goes yeah. and how the officer handles it, and in some cases they don't handle it so well. Maybe it depends on, again, it goes back to your training. And, and I will give officers a lot of credit because a lot of them have a huge amount of patience, huge, um, beyond what even some are required to have calling for that situation. But if you, I don't know if you agree with that, but I, that's what I'm seeing today going on is that the general public, and, and I'm not saying it's not warranted, because they're already imagining the worst case scenario they're, they're going right to uh you know this isn't safe and I'm going to be in a really bad situation it's going to go from zero to 100 really quickly and they're already immediately on the defensive where in many situations that they don't need to be and it, it could turn out just fine but it, it's already just a, from the from the beginning it's just already a negative interaction and it's it's because I think that's because of their perception i i believe you would probably both agree with that because that's what you're seeing today
1: I, I agree. I think I think you summed that up pretty well. And you know, one thing I will see'll will say that'm I'm, I'm seeing as well as a lot of police departments are they have their own um, um, marketing folks or media folks and and they're putting out uh, Facebook videos and Facebook um, trying to spin a different light, you know, with all the negativity out there. In fact, Westchester Borough, um, where my office is located, their police department, they, they're posting funny stuff and, and um, educational and, and neat stuff for the community on their Facebook page all the time. And just the other day, they had on, if you guys remember that scene from the Beatles where they're walking across the street, I think it was the cover of their, their, one of their albums um, where they're walking and one of them has their shoes off. So Westchester. Happy yes, exactly. Thank you. So Westchester borough police were trying to do kind of a, like a public service announcement. Um, Westchester, Westchester is a a college town. Um, there's, there's 34 bars and restaurants and in like a, a one mile, one mile square radius. And so there, you know, people are cutting in and out of the streets and traffic and whatnot. So they were trying to educate people on how to walk in the walkway. So they simulated the Beatles, um, and, uh, posted that on their Facebook. It made its way to the to the news, to Fox News. And um, one of the guys, that the, the guy last in line is uh, a friend of mine who I coach football with. So it was pretty cool to see that. One of them took off their shoes. So he's barefoot in the walkway. And, you know, that's trying to, I think, Jim, a, a lot of what you were saying is, you know, that they're just like us. You know, I mean, cops are people and, you know, they're, they're trying to have a good time and educate people and try to put a, a positive light on it. So I think there's a lot of things that police departments are doing now from a marketing standpoint, trying to counter a lot of that negativity and, and hopefully that'll that'll work. Hopefully that'll help because we all know it ne- you know it's it's needed for sure.
3: It, it's hard to combat though, Jeff, because I mean if you just watch television, watch any police or law enforcement show. And it's hard to find a show where a police officer doesn't shoot and kill somebody, at least one person. Right. I mean you look uh, at some you- shows and, and the the perception could easily be that Every day you go to work, you're killing somebody. I mean, every show you watch, the police officers are in shootouts, they're killing people. You know, it, it, it's nonstop. And, and, and again, people maybe even subconsciously start to believe that that's what happens or that's what we want to happen. And, and as Nicole said, it, it makes every, every interaction becomes, you know, it's, it's not start at zero. It's it start at 100 and see if we can work it backwards. It's completely opposite of what action should be.
1: Uh, you're absolutely right. And, you know, and, and I think it goes to e- even greater depths where even it, our youth are playing these video games that are, you know, anti-cops, they're killing people. I was watching, my my, my son usually plays and a lot of times he'll play Madden, you know, the football game, but uh, I forget the name of it. Um, but it, all of a sudden he's showing me he he's hijacking cars and being chased by police and, you know, shooting and killing people on these video games. And our youth are growing up with that and they're just getting that perception like, oh, this is cool. This is the fun thing to do, you know, to, to run from that police, from whatever. And then the TV shows, you know, as the kids start getting a little bit older and start watching these shows, it just keeps going and going and going. So to try to break that trend is going to be a challenge. You're absolutely right, Jim. No doubt. Let's... um. Move along because we only have a few more minutes left in the show. I'd like to educate our listeners a little bit. I'm a big advocate of continuing training, um, continuing education for private investigators. And I I think P.I. should stay informed, up to date on what's new and new laws, trends, ethics. And, you know, a lot of what we're talking about is is ethics. And you guys are at the forefront of that in a lot of different ways, uh, especially with P.I. magazine. So can you educate the listeners a little bit about your products um, for private investigators and not only that, a, a new magazine now for private citizens that have an interest um, in uh, crime fighting and solving cases. So uh, I, I know you own and operate a lot of these um, premier magazines and which uh, PI Magazine to me is a valuable tool in our industry that provides news and education to our profession uh, on a regular basis. and. Uh, I'd like to have you educate them a little bit about the magazines and some of your other products.
2: Tim, you want to take the uh, the PI magazine, and I'll discuss the Unsolved.
3: Sure. So, so Jeff, you know, PI magazine is 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 a it's a reference guide. It's a tool um, that we use in our profession. Uh, we try to we try to publish articles and and uh, things and and uh, stories that. The private investigators can use and relate and help them better better themselves professionally. Um, there's always a topic in there uh, where somebody can learn something. Uh, every single issue. That's how we're approaching that that magazine. We're approaching it as a reference guide, not a story platform to tell a story. Although we do we do put a lot of features in there, but it's it's more along the lines of a reference or a uh, almost like a trade magazine for for professional investigators. And and we're trying to you know help folks out and try to give them one stop uh, source for information uh, whether it's equipment or training or conferences you know you're saying how to how to how to make yourself more efficient is, is you know and make yourself a better private investigator or professional investigator is join an association guys have to join associations and and network and 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 get that continuing education that's offered you, you can't just retire from law enforcement or get a private investigator's license and stop there it's it's a non Stop learning uh, uh, situation. You have to continue to train and learn.
2: Right, and, and, I, I, and like Jim says, uh, going back to what you had addressed in, in your in your uh, in your question, Jeff. It's a resource magazine, but of course, we absolutely address articles on ethics, and uh, we also have a section uh, for investigating innocence, written by Bill Clutter, and um, we do address all those issues in this as a resource magazine. So we're keeping the PIs pretty much abreast of of, uh, of everything that's current and uh, and the right thing to do and how to handle investigations properly and diligently. And, of course, we have a section on uh, improper incarcerated and, and now free after many years. Uh, as far as the Ansab Magazine... A little bit of a different flavor, of course. That's for more of a, the the general public demographic, uh, not just the PI, more the citizen detective. And of course, we focus on the uh, unsolved cases, missing persons, and and cold cases. And as a matter of fact, as you know, Jeff, we, we were we were honored and happy to uh, have your article uh, in the, uh, the the debut issue of Unsolved Magazine, which which came out the, the June of 2019. Calling it's called Is There Justice? I'm sorry, is there really Truth and Justice for All? That was the article. And, of course, we also featured uh, your, your podcast uh, as well. We, we, uh, I and mean, that's what it's about. I mean, that this magazine, the Unsolved, will focus even more on these types of cases where uh, those are wrongly accused and, and uh, the investigating innocence types of cases, along with the cold cases, the missing persons, and, and the unsolved cases. So we, we have a, a great way to get that out there even more in, in The Unsolved and uh, you know we're, we're excited about it it's a lot of work but we uh, we can, we can kind of hit masses you know the, the PI side and then the, and then the, the civilian and and public uh, you know the side on the, on the, with the unsolved magazine
1: that's awesome and and I appreciate that the um, writing the article and, and having that article um, featured in your magazines really is what inspired me to start this podcast and try to get it um, more, Knowledge and awareness about wrongful convictions, and because they do exist, obviously. Um, so, and, and I'm
2: cut you off, Jeff, but I left that out uh, for the listeners. We that that article was also featured in Pi Magazine, so it, it's a fit for for both, uh, you know, the, both magazines. It, we we featured it in in in, uh, in Pi Magazine, and we also featured it in the Unsolved Magazine. So, it, I mean, it's it's there's nowhere where it doesn't it doesn't apply. And, uh, I mean, it, it was received very well, and I will tell you, it was received very well on both ends.
1: Well, thank you very much. I, I appreciate that. Our time is almost up, so we only have a minute left uh, in the show before we close. Can you guys tell us what's the best way for clients to reach you? And and I guess that's kind of a um, twofold one, because, Jim, you do have um, your own investigation company, and then there's also PI Magazine and Unsolved and um, and all the others. So, uh, Jim, what would be the best way for people to reach out to to you guys um, for various platforms?
3: Well, if if you just go to pi magazine or unsolved we have links to to all of uh, all of our contacts there. Nicole's emails on there, phone numbers are listed on there. My, my Apple Investigations has its own website, AppleInvestigations.com. dot uh, But both websites, Unsolved and Pi Magazine, you're going to get links to everything, and it'll pre- give you a pretty good overview of how to contact us. And email is always the best. Um, you know, shoot us an email, and we'll get back to you. And,
2: uh, and the great I- thing, Jeff, is that uh, you're going to get us directly. I mean, if you call in to the office, uh, usually one of us or pick up the phone, so you don't have to go through a menu system or layers of folks uh, we're, were pretty easy to access and reach. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not encouraging everyone to call in <laughs> because we are really busy, but we will get back to you. Uh, we personally handle uh, calls and, and emails, so you're, you're going to get really a direct contact from from either one of us.
1: That's awesome, and I, I uh, utilize your products, your magazines. Uh, I know you both personally, I respect you both, and really appreciate it. I know you guys have a lot on your plate. I'm so glad you got to spend the the past hour with me on the show. Um, I really do appreciate it. And for our listeners, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please consider giving it a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you use to listen as we continue to increase our listener base. We appreciate your positive reviews. Everybody have a great day.
0: Thank you for listening to Is There Really Truth and Justice for All? We can be heard Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please join host Jeff Stein for another edition of the program next week.